Hello everyone and welcome to the third episode of the Cancer Stories podcast with the Northern Trust, local stories from local people. My name is Amy Wilson, I'm the Macmillan Information and Support Manager here in the Northern Trust and I'm delighted to introduce our guest speaker, Joanne Adams, who's going to share her journey with breast cancer. Hey Joanne, thank you so much for being here today and Really, Joanne, you know, starting off from the beginning, um, really, what made you suspect something wasn't quite right? Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me here. Um, basically, I had been set up in rental accommodation um, and was told that I had to move. Uh, the landlord was selling up and it was just me and my two kids. And we'd been in that house for seven eight years uh, so it was a bit of a shock and stressful time but um, eventually then I found another house to move to and I had the keys early and moved over the course of two weeks and on the final day of the move um, I started to get a bit painful on the right hand side and I thought I had just maybe bumped myself with the box or left it far too much because it was pretty hard going being on my own and that night I had a shower in the new house and felt a lump on my right breast and I thought oh that wasn't there before and again just put it down to moving house never thought anything of it had another shower um, on the Sunday and examined myself again and I felt like little pea-sized lumps all down from my armpit um, down my side and I knew then that you know it wasn't just a bump to the breast so I decided on the Monday morning to contact my own doctor and they brought me down and examined me and said yes they could feel the lump too and asked was it painful or not and I was like yeah it is very painful and she was kind of inclined to say, oh, you know, tumours don't hurt, so let's not panic just yet. She says, but we'll send you up to Antrim Hospital for a mammogram. So that was fine. Uh, she explained that it would probably be a couple of weeks before I would get an appointment. Um, but fortunately for me, they had an extra clinic being set on that week. So I got a phone call on the Wednesday and invited up on the Friday. So I went up on the Friday and they knew as soon as they put the scanner on that it was cancer. So they did. So I was being brave and all, like mum was like, do you want me to come in with you? And I'm like, no, no, it's OK. Just you sit there and wait. And of course, they tell you it's cancer and then that's it. You, your whole world just crashes down around you. And once you find out then, um, you know, what did your treatment look like? On that initial day, um, they did an ultrasound and they did a biopsy, put a marker in just to the middle of the tumour so they knew where the tumour was situated at and I did a mammogram as well and then you go back out and you see the surgeon and the doctors and yeah it was confirmed it was definitely breast cancer. So my plan was initially they wanted me to have chemotherapy first then um, surgery and then radiotherapy but um, in my head because I knew it had spread further than just into the breast because of the wee lumps down from my armpit and that I decided I wanted a mastectomy first so there was a bit of to and fro between the surgeon and the oncologist 
and luckily the day I was called out to meet the oncologist I picked my best friend up from the airport she flew over from England to see me and um, her father had passed away from cancer so she knew sort of more questions to ask than what I knew to ask and it was explained to me that chemo could as it should shrink the tumour and inevitably get rid of it and then that would mean I would just need a lumpectomy in the breast but he also explained that sometimes chemotherapy can break your tumour up and spread it further around your body so I would never have known to have asked these things so I was very fortunate to have my best friend with me. That made the decision even more that definitely I was going for full mastectomy and then chemotherapy. I thought that was my best route for me personally. So I was diagnosed on the 7th of July 2017 and I had my mastectomy on the 24th of August 2017. And it turned out in between waiting that length of time that uh, I had hormonal breast cancer and it was aggressive. Um, it was grade one, stage two initially, but whenever they examined my breast after the mastectomy, it had actually gone up to stage three. So it was definitely the right decision for me to have the mastectomy first. Um, and then I started chemotherapy on the 21st of September 2017 and I had six rounds of chemotherapy um, very very hard going so it was um, but in saying that the first three lots were called FEC F-E-C and it just made you feel not right just like nauseous uh, tired and each round you get it's accumulative so you do get tireder as it goes on Unfortunately, I lost my hair, but um, decision with my kids beforehand, because I had long hair, we cut it up short um, in different stages, waiting for chemotherapy to start. And then whenever it got too painful, my sister came round and shaved my head. So I was always, I was in control. It wasn't the cancer that was, or the chemotherapy that was going to take my hair away from me. It was my decision. Um, and then we just had lots of fun, picking out fun bandanas and wacky colours and everything to wear. So I did with the kids just to keep them involved with it. And after the third round of chemotherapy, then it changed to another type of chemotherapy called docetaxel. And it affects more your bone marrow and it's very, very hard um, on your joints. I was in an awful lot of pain and I actually ended up in hospital with sepsis. Um... It had affected um, my bile as well, the nerve endings on my bile, and I've ended up now with diverticulitis. Um, so they decided to stop the docetaxel and move me back on to FEC for my last round. And unfortunately, my hair had started to grow back by then, so I forgot about this and all my hair fell back out again, so I was bald once more. And then I did radiotherapy then um, on the 2nd of February 2018 and I had 15 rounds of it. Uh, I stayed up in Belfast at the city hospital and came home twice a week to my kids so that my mummy could have a wee break. They were very accommodating, you can book in and stay with them. My advice would be to book in um, even if you aren't too sure what you want to do yet because it's easier to cancel it rather than add it on to your treatment so I find it helped not being as tired traveling up and down I know some in my area in Port Stewart some will go up and down to Derry um, 
but for some reason I was sent to City Hospital, but it worked out in my favour. I had family that lived in Temple Patrick and a cousin that worked in Belfast, so I had plenty of company as well. So yeah, once that had all finished, you just sort of come home and that was it. Everything was over and done with and it was like, what do we do now? <laughs> yes, and, and coming on to that, you know, after being through so much and um, so many different treatments, you know, what was it like whenever the treatment ended? It was very, very hard because everything happened so fast um, and the hospital and all your surgeons and your oncologist, um, they are your safety net and you take everything that they say you know on board but in saying that too if if you don't feel that it's right for you you can you know speak to them and say you're not happy about this they're not happy about that and they they do try to accommodate you but they all it's their job to advise you like they know best but whenever you come out through it all everybody's around you whenever treatment and all is going on and then you have your treatment and everyone just thinks all oh, right they've beat cancer you know they're fine and but it's not a case of that. Um, you're a totally different person from whenever you first start it on your journey, um, which is the hardest part to live with afterwards. And you're on like self-care. Yes, you do get callbacks, you know, for checkups and stuff. But with COVID now, it's usually just over the telephone. So if you have any concerns or that, it is quite hard at the minute to get an appointment with anyone. But yeah, it's it's tough after you've had all your treatments it's interesting because it is something that comes up in my role quite a lot you know people talking about um exactly um what you've described the difficulty of um when treatment ends um and you know that kind of comes on to nice nicely onto the the support group that you've set up you know can can you tell me a wee bit more about that yeah um i decided that uh all the treatment, once the treatment was ended, you could avail of all these services, but I wasn't fit enough um, to be travelling up and down to Belfast or up and down to Antrim, which is where everything was mainly set up for, like, you know, complementary therapies and stuff like that. And all the support groups and everything were all based up around there as well. So uh, I did a bit of research and there was one group through Cancer Focus that was up and running in Coleraine but um, I wanted more I wanted to bring people in and give support some reflexology you know a bit of treatment pampering for the ladies and if men came on board too that there was something set up for them so I decided to set up a wee group uh, with a friend and we called it Breast Friends Cosby Coast and uh, initially we had a group in Balamani that met on a, one Friday in the month at um, Nico's restaurant in Balamani and then we had a group in Korean which was on a Monday night at the Ballysally uh, Community Centre and then we progressed and we found a lovely little wee spot in Port Stewart actually ran by Harley's doctor surgery that I'm with and basically what we do is we meet up for a coffee um, a bit of crack and mostly it's just to vent and hear everybody else's stories because everybody's journey is different and through that I got support as well and was also able to help support other ladies 
and we brought in, we've had people do reflexology, we've held Christmas charity events, um, just different wee bits and pieces for the ladies. We've had mindfulness talk, aromatherapy, um, essential oils and everything, and we, we even mastered a wee bit of yoga, but <laughs> that was a lot to be desired now, the yoga with everyone with their aches and pains after treatment. But um, do you know what? It was all good crack. We were all in the same boat. And that's what it's really all about, is bringing these people together, no matter what age they are. Like, our group ranged from age 30 up to, there was a wee woman who was 79 that came out to us. Um, she had obviously no support whenever she had cancer, so she really enjoyed getting out and mixing with the younger ladies as well. And then we do family days out as well for them. Um, Rose Park Farm in Balham and I were very good to us. Uh, and let us bring the cancer patients and their families out and we all had a really good day up there but unfortunately then Covid arrived and basically we're just doing one-to-one -one at the minute with anyone that needs our help uh, we have funding there to we provided people with chemo bags if we you know if someone had nominated them to receive one and um, we have transported people up and down for their treatment We've helped out with maybe a food parcel and some toys and stuff for the kids because it's not just that individual person that is going through the journey with cancer. It affects everybody in the family. So we try to include the husband or partners and the children and all our wee groups as well. But initially it's just for the cancer patient, but they can bring a friend along with them is because we understand how hard it is coming through the doors to a group especially of this nature so we just want the woman to feel comfortable but um we're hoping now with all these restrictions god willing that they keep going in the right direction and we'll be able to get everything up and running again and how would uh people be able to find you and find information about the group there is um a facebook page uh and it's just under Breast Friends Causeway Coast. Or you can contact myself. Um, I have a personal blog on Facebook called Joey's Journey. Um, I have quite a lot of people on it. Um, so you can look it up and contact me direct through that. Um, I do talk to individual people on my personal blog as well about their cancer journey and give one some advice in that. Um, so yeah, it's... Facebook is really the platform where you can find us. Thank you so much for sharing that uh, with us, Joanne. You know, those sorts of support groups are really so important for people. Um, and, you know, thank you for, for your work with that. Absolutely. And you mentioned about, you know, supporting families as well. And, you know, I just want to come kind of come back to, you know, how did you tell your family? You know, what, what was that like? That's a very hard one. Um, I still struggle with how I told my kids about it. Being a single mum, I've always tried to be open and honest with my kids about everything. And I had always said to them, you know, don't lie to me. You'll get into more trouble for lying than what you will tell them the truth. So they went to my sister, my older sister for the day because it was summer holidays and that uh, she kept them. But they all sort of knew and they were all the same thinking as me, you know, oh, you've just done too much uh, lifting and with moving house. And I told them that I'd hurt my back and I had to go to Antrim Hospital for a special x-ray on my back because Korean Hospital didn't provide it. Um, kind of still a wee niggle of hope, you know, that I had got it wrong. It wasn't going to be cancer. It was just a matter of 
I had overdone things because um, I had felt totally fine. I had no sickness, no nothing. Just the fact that I had showered and I was aware of breast cancer. So I do check myself regularly. So that's what I had said to my kids. Um, they were P7 and P6 at the time. So whenever I was initially told, uh, my first thought was, oh my God, am I going to die? What's going to happen with my kids? Who's going to look after them? How am I even going to tell them about this? And I was actually advised not to tell my children until I had got my head around things. And I was like, I can't go home and pretend that everything's okay because it's always been me and them. So... I don't even know how we got home that day. Mum drove us and um, I don't even know how Mum managed to drive down that road again, hearing what we had heard. And we walked in and I had pre-warned my sister and my younger sister and she had made her way round then to my older sister's house as well. And I sat my kids down, told them that I had lied to them that morning and that I had this lump in my breast and... It was known as a thing called cancer and unfortunately, although I wasn't sick at the minute, the medicine that I was going to have to take to get rid of the cancer was going to make me very sick and it was just part of the course that I had to go through in order for me to get better. And the first thing that my son said to me was, you always said we were not to lie and you lied to us and he walked off and that will always stick in my head. So well, I still feel very very guilty for doing that but I did it in a way that I needed to protect them as well and then we just went through every single stage as a family we got help from Cancer Focus and um, a family liaison came out and sat them down and explained it in child terms and I was able to sit in on that meeting and do you know what that actually helped me understand too what was happening because I didn't want to know Whenever they told me what was happening, I was like, no, don't, don't tell me anything. Just get me in, get me through the chemo, the operation, everything, and get me out the other side. Never went near Google, even though some people were saying to me, oh, have you got this? I just read this on Google. And I'm just like, oh, just stay off Google. Um, They will advise you to do that. And honestly, I would definitely take them up on that. The only sites that I use were Macmillan and um, Breast Cancer Now site. Um, and that was purely just, that was probably after I had been through everything. So yeah, it's very, very difficult to try and break that news. And then my dad, he lived in Germany, so that made it even harder. It was trying to keep him up to date with everything that was going on. And I had more family in England and stuff that, you know, once it kept updated and everything. So that's why I decided to do the blog so that everyone could read it. So I wasn't spending my time having to answer thousands of you know, different phone calls, different messages, emails. It was just easier to put it all on a blog and everyone could read it as and when they wanted to. And that was my whole reasoning for doing the blog as well. Yes, I mean, I can't imagine how difficult that would have been, you know, to tell your kids. And, you know, again, that's a conversation I have with a lot of people. And kids are so clever, like they pick up, there's something going on. And a lot of the times what happens is kids then blame themselves and they think, oh gosh, what am I doing wrong? Am I, have I done something, you know? So it sounds like you handled that so beautifully, Joanne, you know? Yeah, it was very hard initially. Um, and my daughter, she didn't want anyone 
to know whenever I'd lost all my hair, I wasn't allowed to pick her up from school or anything like that. She just was like, no, this is a definite no here. And her mode was she took flight and any chance she got, she stayed at friends' houses. Um, She just would not like entertain it at all. Although in saying that, you know, before we had each round of chemotherapy, um, we sort of had a, like a family get together with friends. And I would get my nails painted dark because that helped prevent your nails from cracking and falling off. And a friend that runs the Breast Friends Cosby Group with me, uh, she would have taken my dog for me. So they were down as well. And, you know, we all just had like tea and buns and just had a bit of banter the night before I would have chemotherapy. Um, But for my son, it was harder for him because... All his wee friends are all girls, so he he couldn't go and stay at people's houses. And, you know, he went um, a couple of afternoons after school to people's houses. Uh, but it was him that, yeah, that seemed the worst of it. And he did suffer greatly from seeing me in so much pain. So, yeah, he had to have a bit of counselling. Um, he received some of it through Action Cancer. And they did um, like reflexology and stuff with both the kids as well. So, yeah, it's it's very, very hard. Um, and then I was feeling guilty because he had seen what I was going through. And I felt guilty then because I shouldn't, you know, put this on to them because they were so young. So I ended up having counselling as well um, through Action Cancer and it was through them that um, I had said to them, you know, I feel that something needs to be done in the Cosby Coast area. And our last two sessions of counselling was talking me through um, setting up the group and explaining to me about survivor's guilt and stuff because it's very hard. Um, out of our chemo group that started all in the same time, um, there was six of us all together and three of them unfortunately passed away. And that does leave you with, uh, you know, why? How has that happened to them? Why am I still here? Um, and then you make friends with all these other people, you know, in the groups and through my blog and you, their families message and say, you know, they've passed away or it's just, it's horrendous, the guilt that you feel. So I understand a bit of how my son felt by watching me. But yeah, you just... You know, we took everything a day at a time, basically, and anything that arose. If they didn't understand it or I didn't understand it, we always tried to find someone who could answer our questions. And I'm still doing the same with ladies that are contacting me, like they're on this new targeted drug and I have never heard of it. So, you know, I'm looking it up on the Macmillan site and reading about it so that I can sort of discuss with them and like bring myself to their level. Um. So, yeah, it's... It is all a learning curve in every aspect. And, you know, how are your kids now with it all? You know, I think you said it's been four years since your diagnosis. And, you know, how, how are they now? They are okay. Um, we used to, <laughs> we laugh as much as we can about it. Um, you know, like I, whenever I had my mastectomy on the right hand side, um, I didn't feel comfortable wearing the NHS prosthesis I just felt it was so heavy so I ended up I I came in touch with a company called Knit It Knockers and um, it's a wee knitted boob and you just put it inside your bra 
and it was so much softer and kinder on the skin. And we used to joke about, I was like, you know, oh, I've lost my boob. I don't know where I've set it. Um, or if I was out driving and you could feel the seatbelt, you know, would sort of be moving it up. And you're just like, here, somebody catch that, you know. And <laughs> we would make fun of things. Um, but I have also been left with neur neuropathy in my hands and my feet. I drop things all the time. Like just last week, I was making uh, enchiladas and went to bring it out of the oven. And well, the whole thing landed on the floor so nobody had any dinner. But we just... You have to laugh about these things because if you don't, it can really tear you up. I would get very angry. Um, I used to be very hands-on, you know, and build flat pack furniture and do different bits and pieces. And, you know, but sometimes even lifting a saucepan of potatoes can, you know, it's really frustrating if I can't manage to do it. Um, so I do struggle with that. Um, and it's my kids as well, like they have to learn to adapt that I can't do the things that I used to do, be able to do with them. But I say, if we're going on holidays or something like that, you know, like they know basically now what my limits are. And it would be just, it's all about learning together as a family to adapt how I've been left after treatment, really. Thank you so much for sharing that, um, Joanne. And just the sort of final question really I have for you is, you know, looking back at the you who was starting off um, on this journey four years ago, you know, what would you say to her? Like, what, what advice would you give? That's a very good question. Um, I would say trust your instincts. You know your own body. Um, you know what's right for you. Like the instance of uh, them wanting me to have chemo first and then surgery, but I knew for me it was right to have the surgery first. You also then, you know, you need to take into account, um, they will ask you about cancer in your family and stuff. Unfortunately, I have womb cancer, cervical cancer on either side of my family. So it was decided then, November 2020, I went in to have full hysterectomy and I also had the other breast removed. And again, I requested that I have both of those operations at the same time because it was easier for me as a single parent to go in and have those operations in the one go so that I wasn't having to leave the kids, you know, with my mum and then having to recover from it and then go back in for another surgery. So um, fortunately, I recovered really, really well from them. So, yeah, I, I would just say trust what's in your heart. Um, it's your journey. It's your decisions at the end of the day, um, but also have faith in your surgeons and your oncologist at the end of the day. They've been doing this, you know, for years. They know the right treatment and stuff for you. And it's not a race. Like, there's ones that I know have gone back to work. Um, some even work through chemotherapy. Lord, I take my hat off to them because I don't even know how they even achieved it because I just couldn't do it. And even now, I... I go to apply for a job and I'm thinking here, hang on a minute, like my hands don't work properly. How am I supposed to do this? Um, and then sometimes like if I sit too long um, after radiotherapy, I've been left pains on my right hand side. So even lifting and stretching and bending certain ways is enough to cripple me in pain. And if I get up too quick, uh, I forget that I don't have feeling in my feet so I can fall over. Um, and so either standing or sitting for too long, you know, it can have effects on how I am mentally 
I am a bit stronger, but it's always there in the back of your head too. You know, any little pain or that that you get, you think, oh my God, what is this? And four years on, I still struggle with that. Um, It's not as much. I do get periods where, you know, I'm more settled in that. But whenever I did have the other breast and you were going for yearly mammograms or you were going for a scan or something, if something else cropped up, um, they call it scan anxiety. And it is really real you know it brings everything back to you what you've been through and then you go and you get your mammogram or you get your scan and then you have that waiting process and you go through all the different mix of, of emotions like oh what if this is it again am I strong enough to go through it all again and you know you're you just it's mental torment so it is but yeah everyone is different that's what I, everyone needs to remember starting out in this what was right for me may not be right for them um, what happened to me with the neuropathy, the bile defect and stuff, that may not happen to somebody else. But um, I shared everything in my blog because I don't want people thinking, oh, this isn't normal. Nobody's ever mentioned this to me. And it is normal for one person. You know, it could be normal for somebody else. And that's what our groups are all about then too. Um, just sharing stories, basically, and getting insight into how it, Cancer can affect everybody in different ways. It doesn't discriminate. That saying is true. It doesn't matter what age you are. You know, whether you've smoked, whether you haven't smoked, it's just, it's there. And basically it's something that can trigger this one little cell off. I honestly do think that mine was down to stress of moving house. Whether that's right or wrong I don't know but um, I try as much as I can now not to stress about things I'm very laid back if I get tired I go down I lie down and have a sleep Um, I'm still doing that four years on and it's learning to adapt to the new you after all your treatment and you know your very close family and friends will stick by you and they do understand how much it has affected you and how much it has changed you so it's just it's finding that acceptance I suppose of who you are after all the treatment thank you so much Joanne um, for sharing your story with us today and thank you to the folks listening Um, we'd be really interested to hear your feedback Uh, we've embedded a short survey in the text around the podcast platform so if you could give us any feedback any questions or suggest any future podcast topics we'd really appreciate that and we hope you find uh, this podcast helpful 